the biggest thing's governance. Sure. I mean, I would blow it all up. Uh, I would, I would just, it's not relevant anymore. It, it, and honestly, it never really was great. Uh, but we're at a point now where it's just dysfunctional. And, uh, and it's, it, nobody would operate a business, no one, the way we operate in college football. Hello and welcome in. Today is a Monday edition of Always College Football. As we approach the end of February, we're starting to line up some pretty cool coaches. It was great to have Luke Fickle on the show from Madison, Wisconsin last Wednesday. But this week, we're welcoming on our old friend, Dabo Sweeney from the Clemson Tigers. He's going to join us today. We're going to ask him all sorts of questions. I want to ask him a little bit about the state of college football. Look, as much as Dabo still feels young to me, and he is. The guy's been the head coach at Clemson for 15 years. He has seen college football shift right beneath his feet and has put together, even in different eras, a remarkable run of consistency and success. I want to see what he wants to see done with the college football model as we know it right now. So much about college football, obviously, is going to be kind of covered in a negative way. Like, oh, it's not the way it used to be. Well, I want to get Dabo's perspective on that. What would he change? What would he adjust? I also want to ask him about his new offensive coordinator, Garrett Riley. He comes over from TCU. He seldom makes coaching changes on his own staff, but he felt like he needed to make an upgrade at that position. Garrett Riley's the man for that. So let's not waste any additional time. Let's go to the two-time national championship winning head coach. And gosh, I can't even count how many times he's won the ACC. It's Dabo Sweeney, the head coach of the Clemson Tigers. We're so happy to be joined by one of my favorite guys in the entire industry. He's Coach Dabo Sweeney. He's a Bama boy like myself, even though I've adopted it. You're from Bama, Coach. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Doing good. Uh Good to be with you. Congrats on, man, all your success. And I guess this is a, is this a new show uh, that you got going on here? <laughs> You've been watching, Coach. I know you have. You've liked, rated, and subscribed. No, we've been around since the beginning of last <laughs> football season. Uh, we okay. started in July of last year. But okay. by that point, you're already drinking through a fire hose, so I wouldn't yep. anticipate you being able to dial into the podcast world. I understand. It's good, but next year, maybe you could dial it in. Does that sound good? <laughs> yeah, I'll get it on my on my, on my phone somehow. Well, we like to celebrate college football here, coach. Like there's so much negativity around the sport. You've been around it for a while. I mean, you've seen it change in the blink of an eye, but I feel like so much of the conversation in the off season is like negative. Well, this is, it's not the way it used to be. It's not the way it should be, et cetera. But, but we're kind of trying to create this program to kind of build it up and to talk about all the amazing positives that are happening within the sport. So as someone that's lived it, you're, I don't want to call you old coach, but you've been around for a minute now. So how has the sport changed in your eyes over the last 15 years? Oh, man. Uh, well, first of all, um, I mean, I appreciate you doing that because, I mean, there, all we hear is the bad. Uh, and there's good and bad in everything. It doesn't matter what walk of life it is, uh, you know, but college football is, is, is uh, got a huge platform and it's, it's kind of in a fishbowl. And so, you know, and we live in this clickbait world where everybody wants to just, they can't wait to find the negative and, uh, and to promote the negative. And, and the truth of it is there's so much more good than there is bad. Uh, but unfortunately, the good doesn't, uh, you know, 
get all the ratings or, or talked about as much. Um, you know, people people want the 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 headline, the 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 big click, the the oh my gosh, can you believe this moment? As opposed to, man, you know this one of a million great stories that come through this great game of college football. So. Uh, this is this. I just finished my. I guess this is my 34th year of college football. Uh, so, you know, I, I went to Alabama when, in 1988 and uh, played five years, and then uh, I coached eight years there. So it's my. I just finished my 20th year at Clemson. So this is year 21 for me here. So this is my 29th year coaching football, college football. Uh, so I mean, I have a pretty good perspective. Uh, and, and I, and I'm very unique in this profession that I really have every lens, you know, I was, a I wasn't even a walk on, I was like a notch. I, I, I was a crawl on. All right. Uh, you know, I went through the, the old school weight room program just to get on the team with coach Wingo and, and they put you in, they'd literally lock you up and take you to jail now, uh, if you did those things today, but that's what made me who I am. And, uh, and then I've been a scholarship player. I've been a GA. I've been an assistant coach. I've been a head. So 34 years of perspective. And, and uh, man, the game, there's so many good things. The, the, my biggest frustration with this game, honestly, uh, uh, Greg, and just – and is, is it, we're probably the only profession that I know of where the experts in the profession really have no say. And, and because there is bad, again, there's good coaches, there's bad coaches, there's good uh, bankers, there's bad bankers, there's good teachers, there's bad teachers, there's good preachers, there's bad preachers, right? There's good politicians, there's bad politicians. It, there's good and bad in everything. We know that. Uh, uh, but our profession, it, it, it really is. I mean, we, you know, we have like we could fix like football people could fix football problems like that. But we really don't have the opportunity to do that. And it's one of the most unique things. Uh, it would be like you and I coming together and uh, you living in Birmingham now. Is that where you are? Yes, sir. Uh, you, know, so you and I coming together and saying, all right, just because we've had surgery before, you and I are going to go down to St. Vincent's and we're going to write all the the surgical procedures of their operating room or whatever, uh, even though we're really not qualified, uh, you know, we don't, we would never do that in any other profession. Like we would listen to the experts and, and it's not that you don't, but, but there's just a lot of football problems that football people really don't have say. And even the people who have the, they've lived it and they have the perspective. Uh, and so it's unique that way. And I think that's, what's led to a lot of, you know, craziness in our world. Having said that, I do feel like for the first time since I've been a head coach, it may be in a long time, I do feel like we are heading in a – even though it's crazy right now, I think we're heading into a better place where we are going to have some type of new governance structure, where we can have a voice, where we can <clears throat> uh, – you know, have an issue at 9 a.m. and by three, we fixed it. Uh, you know, I think that that day is coming for college football. Uh, but man, it's never been better when it comes to uh, opportunities for young people and the lessons that, you know, this game provides. I mean, it's just, you know, the I have a PhD in 
18 to 23 year olds. Uh, I've been one. I've raised three of them. And for 30 years, I've been living with them. And here's the one thing I'll tell you about the 18 to 23 year old band changed. The world has changed around them, but they're the same. You know, they're young. They have dreams. They have goals. They have fears. They have doubts. Uh, you know, they need structure. They need discipline. They need guidance. They're just young people that are trying to fight, figure it all out. And man, there's no greater teacher than the game of football, in my opinion. I would never push back on that. And to be honest with you, coach, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, look, when toe meets leather, the game's the same. It's, it's actually, I think, in many ways better than it's ever been because of just how good the players have gotten. But if you look at just kind of everything externally, the opportunities for the players are there. You're 100% in line with that. But you referenced needing change and wanting to have a voice. Let's say Dabo Sweeney is, is put to the forefront on that collection of coaches, which I think would be a tremendous addition to any governance that we have. What would be something you would emphasize in driving home to your fellow colleagues in the industry? What would you want to see changed about college football? Well, I mean, you know, number one, there's two, there's two things to under the biggest thing's governance. Sure. I mean, I would blow it all up. Uh, I would, I would just, it's not relevant anymore. It, it, and honestly, it never really was great. Uh, but we're at a point now where it's just dysfunctional sure. and, uh, and it's, it, nobody would operate a business. No one, the way we operate in college football. Uh, and so, you know, I would change the entire governance structure. So right now you have two things. You have what's called the Football Oversight Committee and you have this NCAA Council, you know, an oversight committee, for example. Uh, you know, and the world of Power 65 is different. You know, we, 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 we have this 131 Division One teams and and it's just not the same for, you know, Alabama as it is. Uh, and I don't want to throw anybody out there, but sure, you know, non-power five you, okay? Right. It's just not the same. It's different. You know, you you have hundred thousand seat stadiums versus thirty-five thousand seat stadiums. There's a lot that comes with that. And uh and so everybody has a different world that they operate in. Now, you know, and then you have it's not just division one, it's one double A or FCS, which kind of falls under that umbrella. So you have an, an oversight committee where they're making it. And we probably, I think we have like three votes, you know, for the power 65 yeah. and there's like 18 people or something like that. So, and you really don't have a voice. Uh, and so again, what's very simple in our world um, and things that we could fix, it's just this bureaucratic uh, uh, process and you're going to lose every time. And yeah. so, it, it, or it it's going to take two years or it's going to take something bad happening to create change. So that's, that's one. And then you have what the NCAA council, and that's like a whole nother deal. So now it's not just the football stuff. Now it's, well, it's got to be the same for football and soccer and tennis. And, and that's not realistic. Um, and so the, in, the intention is good, but, uh, the execution of it is, is not. And so I would, I would honestly, if I was, you know, poof, had that power, I would blow it all up and I would create some criteria and here's this world right here. And I would 
separate football, honestly. I would separate football. I would create some type of situation where you have a commissioner and maybe a, a board and and things could be streamlined and things could be efficient. And uh, and then, you know, you I would still I still think there's a need for the NCAA and some type of tether to that. But then you take sure. all the other sports and they have their own governance structure. And it's just different because it is. And uh, for a long time, nobody wanted to admit that. But for the, as I said earlier, really, for the, I think for the first time in my career, I think all the like key decision makers, whether they'll admit it or not, presidents, faculty reps, uh, commissioners, uh, ADs, I think they all agree with that. Yeah. Most. Uh, they may not publicly agree with that, but I think they all realize that we're in a situation where, okay, we really need, uh, and just like when COVID hit, I mean, yeah. that, I mean, that really was a positive in that all of a sudden we needed football and all of a sudden football, like I was on a committee meeting every week for a year yeah. and, uh, and it was really cool to be able to have a voice. And, and, and I think that's ultimately uh, where we need to go. Just blow the governance structure up, blow that, do away with it. And let's get serious and focused about, okay, here, here's the schools that can operate, you know, whether it's a new league, a new division, you know, whatever it is, I think most football people know that's where it's going. Uh, so I would just say, why quit wasting time? Uh, we all know what's going to happen in two years or three years or five years. So why don't we go ahead and get there and let's, and let's get on with it. What, what do you think would be, obviously the, everyone points to, well, 32 in the NFL, like what, do you think it's 65? Do you think it's less than that? I mean, what's the perfect number in, in your eyes yeah. as far as that division that could separate? Yeah, I think it's probably less than that, Greg. I yeah. mean, and there's, there's a couple other things, uh, well, that's one of the problems is we're trying to be the NFL with 131 teams. Yeah. And, and we're trying to be the NFL with collegiate uh, scholar athletes. And, you know, we, it's interesting. Um, and I, and I get beat up for this all the time. I don't really care. I, you know, it's like the only time we, we want to listen to the player on everything, like, like everything. Um, and I'm all for expanding the playoff. Great. I got no problem with it. Sure. Uh, but and I want to do it in a way that's healthy for the player. Yeah. And what bothers me about the expansion of the playoff is when all this was coming about, I don't know, a few years ago, uh, we were kind of given a charge by our commissioner to go and talk to our team and about, and so, you know, uh, and ask them, you know, hey, this is what was coming down the pipe. Here's what it's going to look like. You know, wanted the feedback. And I met with my team. I'll never forget it, you know, and I kind of laid it out for them. Here's where we are. And they all looked at me like I was crazy, like I had three eyeballs. Like, <laughs> yeah. So well, we got to play how many games? Well, yeah. well, what? <laughs> tell me, we got to start in July and we're going to finish in later in Ju January. Oh, and we just beat Alabama. And now we got to go play Georgia next week. Yeah. You know, uh, or you beat Ohio State, Alabama. Now you got to go play Georgia. Yeah. I mean, it's like, and these are, these are guys that have pro aspirations and, and until you've been through a season of 15 games at this level, it's hard to really have that perspective. Yeah. And so the interesting thing about the whole dynamic to me, when all that was coming about, and so I, I you know, was asking, I just gave the feedback, but nobody listens. Like it's the only, like we want to, we listen to the player on all these things. But when it comes to 
Like they don't want to start earlier in July. They don't want to go later in January. Oh, finals? Who cares? Like, like, no, it's like, it just falls on deaf ears. And so, okay. Cause you know, I'm like, all right, well, if we're gonna, we can't just keep expanding college football. And, and so, and now where we are, you're going to play 17 games. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, that's a, that's a lot for a college, a college player. And it, it, um, cert- it yeah. certainly is. There's no so that's, doubt. And, that's, and I, that's, I, I, go ahead. I'm sorry, coach. I didn't mean to no, cut go you ahead. off. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, it's it's a hundred percent true, and I couldn't imagine as a as a college athlete playing that many games. I, I it'd be it'd be difficult for sure. I thought fourteen was a lot, and now it being fifteen, I can't even imagine what seventeen was like. I I I, I wanted to get you on talk Clemson football, but you you're like it's so incredibly good as far as speaking to the bigger picture. I, I apologize that we've gotten down a fifteen minute rabbit hole about just the, what we can do to improve the sport, but you're great as far as perspective, but I have to ask you about your new offensive coordinator. I, I, I know it's an unusual transition, <laughs> but I'm yeah. so excited to see what Garrett Riley's going to do with your offense. I love Brandon Street. I thought he was a good coach. Uh, I just think Garrett Riley's a super elite coach, a game-changing coordinator. So what went into that decision, and why was it Garrett Riley that jumped out amongst what was, I would imagine, a deep pool of candidates? Yeah, well, Greg, you've been around long enough to know that, you know, anytime you make a personnel decision, it's hard. Uh, especially when you love the people involved, whether it's a, a player, you know, you know, you're promoting a player over another guy or, or uh, uh, you've been at the pro level and you understand where, you know, you know, how, how that whole world operates and, um, or you're dealing with a staff change and we haven't had a lot of staff change. We've had some, I mean, I made a change with Billy Napier uh, back in 2010. It was the right move for me and him. He's now the head coach of Florida. Yeah. You know, I made a change with Kevin Steele. He's the defensive coordinator out there. It's not like these are bad coaches, but sometimes, um, you know, you, 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 there's a change that needs to be made. And, and uh, the, the biggest thing for us, we, we, we had a, uh, a great run for a long time. I mean, Chad Morris did a great job years ago. And then uh, when he left in 14, it was easy for me to promote Tony Elliott. He really – and then we went on the – best five-year run in the history of football. I mean, we won more games than anybody in a five-year span with Tony calling all the plays. And then uh, when Tony got the Virginia job, uh, you know, Brandon Streeter, he, he coached Deshaun for two years. He recruited Trevor. He coached Trevor. He recruited DJ. He deserved the opportunity, and he had earned the opportunity. And, uh, and the tough part about it was uh, – we got better this year in a lot of areas. We really got better from where, you know, 21 was a really a weird year for us and uh, we got better. Uh, but, you know, when it was all said and done and you evaluate every year, like you always do, I just felt like um, we just weren't quite where we needed to be. And sometimes you just need a, you just need a change of voice, a change in energy, uh, maybe a change in uh, demeanor or confidence or whatever it may be. And um, uh, so, you know, that's really kind of where it was. And then Garrett, uh, I mean, obviously he's uh, one of the one of the bright young guys. And and I really wanted something that, uh, you know, we, I want to get we, we got to run the football, you know, and a lot of people talk about the air raid and they get freaked out about all that stuff. But <laughs> really, honestly, we're really not doing much different. Uh, you know, it's really I mean, football's football, right? I mean, you run four verticals, you run crossers, you run digs and quick game and screens and inside zone and counter and, you know, football is football, but but procedurally how you do some of those things, systematically maybe how you do some of those things. And obviously 
you know, how it's called and, and how it's taught and just the, the demeanor is and the energy as well. So, um, you know, he, it's easy to watch him and see why he's been successful. And then, uh, you know, what he did at SMU and for a couple of years there and then taking over really basically the same group at TCU on offense. Yeah. I mean, it right. really wasn't hardly any difference. And they went from five wins to the, to the national championship game. But, but, but so that's first and foremost, obviously jumps out at you. It was a very good match as far as just philosophy wise, uh, schematically, as far as, you know, what we like to do, what we've done for a long time. Uh, you know, he's, we got to get better throwing than catching. We got to get better in our passing game. Uh, we've been elite throwing and catching around here for a long time. And, and the last two years, we've not been what we need to be. And I think he can help us do that uh, without sacrificing the run game. You know, I mean, again, he's an air raid guy, his roots. But but as he likes to say, a power air raid. I mean, we're you know, you look at their run game last year um, at 1400 yard rusher and and uh, did a great job. But uh, so a lot of carryover, a lot of similarities as far as just the X's and O's of things. Uh, but I just felt like he was the, the new voice that we needed and, and, a, and a new energy. Uh, I thought it was the right timing as far as having a, a young quarterback in uh, Klubnik coming up. And and then obviously his background, you know, I mean, he, he you know, he's Lincoln's brother. Uh, he's his own guy, <laughs> but he's been he's been very successful. And um, and so it's exciting to have a young guy that's coming in here. And and honestly, uh, you know, I've vetted a few people, but but it was really, you know, if if he was the guy, you know, we were 11 and three and won the league. It's not like we were we were terrible. Um, but you know, if we could get him, I felt like it was the right time. And so it was a good fit for him. I, I think he's a guy that is going to have a chance to be a head coach and I think he's going to make us better and we're going to make him better and give him an opportunity to, when he, when he does want to do that, you know, he can be prepared to, you know, take whatever job that he wants to take. Uh, so I'm excited about it. It's been fun. It's been, it's been a lot of energy, um, uh, and, uh, you know, he simplified some things. And uh, I think our guys have really you know, bought in uh, wholeheartedly. Uh, I think it's amazing. You said air raid twice in that, in that answer, Coach. And I think Hal Mummy would kick both Lincoln and Garrett out of the air raid yeah. tree because they oh, yeah. run the ball no too question. much. Yeah, you know no they question. run the ball way too much to be traditional air raids. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's one thing I, I used to just, you know, you, Coach Leach, uh, you know, God rest his soul. I mean, you know, you, everybody's dropping eight and he's and he's still throwing it. You know, it I mean, he, he, <laughs> right. he don't care. He don't care. And, and those, so that's that's uh, you know, that's a that's that true mindset. But I think that's one of the things that Lincoln kind of really changed as he grew and evolved and, and changed. And then Garrett and Lincoln were together a couple of years at East Carolina. But yeah, one of the things I've always liked about Lincoln, honestly, uh, is is their ability to run the football, especially with their gap schemes and the play action that comes off of it and some of the RPO stuff. I mean, they they throw the ball as well as anybody, but man, they they will gash you in the run game. And then being able to uh, involve the quarterback like we've always liked to do. So again, Garrett just checked all those boxes. And then as we really visited and talked, uh, it was just a good fit. You know, yeah. We, yeah. we were a good fit for each other. 
Coach, we'll get, we'll get you out of here with this. I've, we got to have you back. There's about a thousand personnel questions I want to ask you, but we'll save those for for the summertime after you go through fall. But uh, you obviously you've, you've been at at Clemson, have experienced unbelievable highs, championships, playoff bursts, consecutive ten win seasons, consecutive eleven win seasons. It's ridiculous what you guys have accomplished over the course of your career. And I told you that before the Orange Bowl getting ready to call. It's like, man, you know, it's a down year, but my goodness, you got down year by your standards because your standards are so incredible. And you guys have done such an incredible job of building a culture and a program that is, it doesn't, doesn't matter who the players are, it continues on regardless of the circumstances. So credit to you for that. But if you were to pick out one moment in the 15 years you've been the head coach of Clemson, what moment stands out to you as your favorite moment? Oh, man. Uh, one moment? Um, I mean, well, I probably don't get the job if we don't beat South Carolina and Coach Spurrier in 08 as right. the interim. So that was a – that was a that was a – I'm looking at a picture on my wall right there. That was a pretty unbelievable moment because I knew they were – I was going to get the job. Um, and then um, – you know, my first win as an interim up at Boston College, uh, my very first win, that was an ama amazing experience. Um, I mean, they're all special. Uh, probably beating LSU in 12. You know, the year before, we had given up 70 uh, in the Orange Bowl, and it was like, oh, my God. We had, and we won the league that year, but we got destroyed. And then we come back the very next year, and we got no business being on the field with that LSU team. They were unbelievable. And uh, it was Odell Beckham and all that crowd. And, and we, we win the game with two seconds. And I thought that was one of the more special moments, uh, you know, beating Notre Dame in 15 in a hurricane after not playing them since the 70s. Obviously, the national championship in, in 16 and, and Hunter Renfro with one second. That was, that was a moment of joy you never forget. I mean, you know, all the championships, all – all the, I mean, they're they're all great. I mean, there's so many uh, over the years, but I think the thing I'm most proud of, as you alluded to, is just consistency. And yeah. uh, and we have changed the expectations, and that's great. I mean, we had we went 31 years without 11 wins around here, and, and we just had our 11th win season for the eighth time in 11 years. So uh, the consistency <laughs> is what we're most proud of on and off the field. But God, one moment. Uh, if I had to narrow it down to one, uh, I mean, it, it would it would probably be that that first South Carolina game because again, you know, if we don't win that game, I probably don't get the job. And uh, you know, they were better than us, but we found a way to win the game, and that allowed me to have the opportunity to get the job full time. And and man, it's been an amazing. I'm starting my 15th full year, and and it's been a Seems like yesterday. It's been an amazing journey. Lots of, lots of great days. Some long days along the way as well. But man, it's all good. It's been a blessing, and and uh, most of all, just a joy to, to experience so many um, just great relationships. I mean, I've been here long enough. I mean, it's just a, a lot of, a lot of great uh, young men that have come through our program that are just great people in society now. Uh, and one of my favorite things is so many of my players have gone on to coach. And, uh, and I love that. Well, uh, one other thing too, and I, I, I don't think he'd have a problem with me telling you, but you went and got Paul Tyson this year. 
and, and obviously Paul Tyson, he, he knows he's going to back up Cade Klubnik or at least push him or whatever it is, but he went to your place because he wants to be a coach. That that tells you yep. all, all you want to know. And that to me, I think coming from that family, uh, knowing his grandson of Bear Bryant, when he chose to play for you, that tells that tells you all. Anyone that doesn't know Davo Sweeney and doesn't know the program he runs, that should be an indicator right there of the health of the program and, and the type of people you guys are attracted to the program. Coach, I man, can't tell I you how much we appreciate you, man. Yeah, I'm good to be good good to good to be with you, man. And I that that's a surreal moment for me too. I mean, like it's such, I can't wrap my mind around the fact that like this is like Coach Bryant's great grandson. I mean, that was my hero. And uh right. you know, but we're excited to have Paul and he'll do a great job for us and uh we'll certainly uh he's gonna help us and we're gonna help him, you know, grow and, and, and reach his goals as well. That's awesome, man. Well, we're so happy for you. We're so excited for. You. Thanks for the great perspective on on just where we're at in college football. No, very few people are more qualified or as qualified as you. So we appreciate that perspective, and we got to do it again in the summertime. We could talk some ball. Is that all right? Well, thanks. Thanks for doing it, man. And uh, and and I, and I mean it, man. This listen. There's there's so much more good than bad. There is. We every day all we get just shoved down our throat is is the bad. But there's so much more good in this game and it's important that those stories are told and highlighted uh and articulated so appreciate you doing that absolutely coach we appreciate you best of luck have a great spring we'll talk to you soon what a great visit with coach sweeney he has i think great perspective having been there for a very long time and he referenced it i it hadn't even really crossed my mind but he has seen college football at every possible level from walk-on player to scholarship player to championship player, from coach, GA, receiver coach, position coach, all the way up to now head coach, I think it's pretty remarkable to have the perspective that he does. Obviously, he has a unique perspective too, having been at one place for 20 years, being able to assess, all right, here's how things have changed for our place. But I know we are still dealing with some of the challenges that we deal with, here are some of the challenges some of my colleagues are dealing with and just how it's different for every specific place. I think that's really beneficial. And I think he hit the nail on the head that if football breaks away, I think we'll be able to establish things a lot quicker. I think we'll be able to establish things more swiftly. And we won't have that bureaucracy that we're constantly having to deal with as far as getting things done. Also found it fascinating when I asked him, hey, coach, you know, do you see right now it's 65 in the power five? And right now, remember, a lot of us have talked about, well, are the Big Ten and the SEC going to pull away? A lot of people have speculated on that possibility. But he, of course, being the head coach at Clemson, he's in the ACC. So the way people have described is the SEC and the Big Ten moving away. Well, the ACC is hanging tight alongside the Big 12 and the Pac-12. But clearly, Clemson, they don't operate like your run-of-the-mill Power 5 program. They're a superpower and have proven that with how they have invested in their own program. It's just about, look, as the landscape changes, how does that impact a team like Clemson? Of course, in another round of realignment, Clemson probably be the number one overall pick if you could just have your pick of the litter as to what team or program you want to add. But either way, I think Clemson's well positioned for success this year, and I don't see them going anywhere. Look, they're still the top dog in the ACC until proven otherwise by, say, Florida State, Clemson's still the team to beat. I expect them to be back in the mix, at least in the New Year's Six this year, and wouldn't be shocked if once that we get into a 12-team playoff format, 
Clemson will find themselves in a position to potentially challenge for another national championship under Dabo Sweeney's leadership. I have nothing but faith in that program. I have nothing but faith in that coaching staff. And I still really like their personnel. That'll do it for us here at Always College Football. We'll continue to break down Clemson and so many other teams as we navigate throughout the offseason. We hope you're having a wonderful President's Day, and we appreciate you spending a little time on what is a holiday. We appreciate you spending that time with us. For Mark Kubiak, Jack Foster, and Jake, I'm Greg McElroy. We hope you have a wonderful day, and remember, it's Always College Football. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.